Justin, Justin Holbrook, how you doing? It's been a while. How's the Gold Coast treating you? Good. Love to hear it. Yeah, mate, what can I do you for? Mm-hmm. You having a pool party? I need some help with some invitations. Mate, I'm your guy. All right, mate, just grab a pen. Yeah, what would you like him to say? To Tino, you are invited to... Yep, Justin's pool party. Love that. Yep, got a bit of a BYO list there for me. Yep. So all food, sausages, steak, bread rolls. Yep, got it. Uh, eye protection, goggles. Yeah, smart, excellent. Hair cap. Yeah, love that. Mm-hmm. Towel, budgie smugglers, right. Chlorine for the pool. Mm, okay. Housewarming gift, right. And a winning attitude. No, excellent. That'll go down a treat. No dramas, mate. Yep, I can get that out today. Yep, got to run. No drop. Easy. Yep, oh, hang up on me. Love you too. Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello and welcome to Mojo Sports, the NRL show, season two, episode 33. My name is Dan Frost, and as always, I'm supported by the best panel in the business. Uh, tonight, we've got a couple of troops down and someone who will be joining us a little bit later. So, because uh, it's just me and you to tackle uh, the start of this one, and you know, we're not going to be complaining because uh, there's a fair bit to get through tonight. But uh, before we get too carried away, let's jump into our warm up. And the one, and the two, and the one, two, three. Why you don't understand? Bishop wore buttless chaps to the bat mitzvah. Have a great broadcast. You too, darling. All right, Cos, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna get let you go on this one. It's our Mount Rushmore question topic of the week. Uh, top four Queenslanders of all time. Uh, I know this one would have been difficult for you. Yes, it is very hard to narrow it down because there are so many that I love. But I just thought, just thinking with uh, my childhood heart, would be Mark Coyne. Um, can't go past the miracle try and everything that was wrapped around that. Um, we spoke about pets. Sydney Siva um, a few episodes back and everything we said then is is still resonating. He's a magnificent man and player. Um, I've got Big Mal Meninga. Um, I think as a as a coach especially, I worked with him a little bit in that area and he's just such a presence and, um, and so successful in that as well. So just to be as successful as he was as a coach and a player, um, and just so inspiring all across the board. Um, he's got my vote. And on inspiration, I've got Steph Hancock as well as one of the, the pioneering women in rugby league, and she's still going strong, and she's the fittest that I've seen her. Um, she's re-signed for the next season of NRLW with the Titans, um, had a 40th birthday recently and still going strong, so she's an absolute champion, yeah. one of my top Queenslanders. <laughs> one of the all-time goats, that's for sure. I love that. That was an absolute pure Queensland response <laughs> in terms of some of the selections there. I absolutely love it. Look, for me, you know, I, I don't like to, you know, just throw in modern-day players. You know, I'm not about that, but you have to respect um, some of the all-time greats that have just recently come through. So I've got Smith, Slater, JT, and Lockie. Uh, 
you know, I desperately wanted to get King Wally uh, in my top four, but you know, it was it was out of him and Slater. So look, if we if we, if we slowly go through it, you know, Cam Smith, arguably the goat, um, greatest player of all time. Um, he's obviously there. You know, Jonathan Thurston, I thought he played his best football in a Queensland jersey, um, and I actually felt like there was a fair bit of distance between you know, those performances in his regular club games as well. And, and and even what he was able to produce for the Kangaroos, you know, JT in a Maroons jersey was, yeah, just, just unbelievable. Um, and then Darren Lockyer, it, it's hard to argue against Lockie being probably one of, you know, probably the greatest Queensland player to, to, to ever play, just in terms of all of the caps that he was able to produce and, you know, the level at which he was able to play, um, the different positions he was able to perform at, uh, as well as his leadership as well. So, yeah, got lucky there. So, for me, it was Slater against uh, King Wally. It's, um, yeah, it was a bit of a difficult one, but, you know, as, as much as Slater had a few shoulder issues and challenges towards the back end, he well, he was able to sort of, you know, come back and have a bit of a, bit of a special finish to his career. So, um, yeah, there, there we go. There's our Mount Rushmore, top four Queenslanders of all time. A um, couple of our New South Wales, fellow New South Wales panellists would have been sick uh, doing that segment. So, um, we could but, do yeah. a whole show on yeah, this one. Yeah. I could. <laughs> exactly right, exactly right. But to our listeners, um, yeah, we want to hear yours. Uh, send us through your Queensland Mount Rushmore because it is state of origin season uh i can't believe we've finally made it it's uh it's going to be a cracking season um you know and and our, our obviously our queensland new south wales game one preview episode will be landing on game one day so it's going to be it's going to be pretty special as well plenty of content ahead all right team well let's jump through to our next uh segment for tonight the playbook some people are just great at all aspects of the game when they step foot on the field, it's their show. Double right, scat right, double cowboy. Went 94 feet, did a roll step, made a right-hand layup timeout. Most important thing is film study. We work a lot on short passing with our forwards. You talk about somebody to know the playbook, know where everybody's supposed to be, know the other team, coaches, style of coaching, how his ball club's going to play. Yeah, and this week in the playbook, we're uh, pretty excited about this one as we get to dive in and talk all things fullback the fullback position, we get to go into the X's and O's, uh, talk a little bit about the history, um, some impressive past players, you know, and some of the modern day players that are really, you know, bringing um, some incredible performances to the field from the number one jersey. Cos, I'm going to throw it over to you just to kind of reflect on the number one jersey. Any particular players come to mind when you think about that? And yeah, talk to us a little bit about, you know, your, your reflections on the position. Well, we were just talking about him, and I think Billy Slater um, absolutely is one that comes to mind when you think of fullbacks and just how um, the position has changed a bit and um, and just his ability, um, ball skills, comms, like how he could be an extra half. Um, I don't know, but I think it is such a fascinating position as well because if we're looking at who was probably the inform fullback um, before he got injured is Pappenhausen, like, and he's it's like a... It's an ever-going cycle of, you know, it was a small player, it was just speedy, and then it went from being a more powerful type sort of role. Um, and then, I don't know, it, it's, it's, it keeps evolving, but um, I think when you think of fullbacks, I think Billy Slater, and it's not just because I was working with him today for the origin announcement, but <laughs> I don't know, you can't really go past um, his, his skills in that position. Yeah, it it is interesting when you sort of go back and you think about, you know, some of the, the history of the players and, you know, you also wonder what, um, you know, what sort of 
you know, it, it's really dependent, I guess, on the scheme that a coach is trying to run. You know, like a player that I think about who, you know, was a real traditional fullback, you know, sort of growing up and watching him was Luke Patton. Um, you know, he, he's, you know, performances, um, I guess, you know, sort of highlighted the, yes, the athleticism, but also just the reliability, the ability to always be there and always produce it like a 7 out of 10 every single week. You know, like, you know, Luke was you know, in a position where, you know, he, he didn't have too many down games. And I think, you know, that that's kind of what we were looking for there for a period of time is we were looking for consistency. We were looking for someone who, you know, was was really solid under the high ball, but someone that, you know, you know I, I guess wouldn't make mistakes. Because um, the, the other thing that's a little bit underrated when it comes to the fullback position, because we'll talk about the flash, we'll talk about the tries, we'll talk about all of the pretty stuff. But one of the things that is a little bit underrated is the defensive side of the fullback position. Now, you, my friend, have been to a lot of football games. You've sat in the stands. You've seen this where, you know, some of the best fullbacks, um, you know, we've seen are at the back organising their defence. And, you know, there's some pretty big crowds up your way, but you're still able to hear the fullback screaming from the back. So talk to us a little bit about, I guess, yeah, just that organisation, you know, uh, I guess, job that a fullback's got these days and has done for a very long time. I think that's it. It's the organisation. It's the communication. I think they, they, you know, when you can, you have to be able to hear what your fullback's saying, where to go, because they have the eyes on um, everything. They can also, you know, if they're good, they can see what the next play is going to be and where where you need to be to defend. So um, when I'm playing now, I can hear my fullback telling me to push left, push right, and like that's, you know, you need that instruction because sometimes you just don't know, or you're too tired in the middle to know which way to go or where they where the shift is going to be. So, um, yeah, absolutely, um, you know, a good fullback knows the game well, knows the options that the opposition might be putting forward and can direct, you know, the rest of the team of where to go to prevent that. So, yeah, absolutely. Dee, great to have you on the show. Obviously, we, we've had a few technical difficulties tonight, but, you know, it's 2022. I think people uh, can understand that. But, um, look, you know, diving into this one and talking about the fullback position, we were just talking about the importance of having a vocal leader at the back, organising the defence, not not being afraid to have a bit of a spray. D, the other thing that they need to do is they need to be able to count numbers because it's pretty funny when you talk to junior coaches where it's still a skill that fullbacks are trying to learn, where <laughs> if you're in the middle of the field trying to count numbers left and right where there's a shortage, I know it sounds very, very simple, but it's a pretty simple skill. So again, talk to us a little bit about, we'll get to the flashy stuff, we'll get to the tries and you know all of the special stuff, but... Again, the leadership, the communication, um, counting numbers, getting the defense sorted, especially when you're on a try line. It's um, yeah, it's it's really it's really important from our fullback. Oh, fullback is a commander of a ship, right? You're steering it from the back, and a lot of times, like you said, they need to be able to count, but they're the ones with the full vision of what's going on in front of them. They're the ones that's running up and down, and they, like you said, they have to count. You need to know when they're sweeping left and right. You're gonna need to be able to count it and and be able to think like a five eighth, run like a winger, and tackle like a forward. Yeah, so yeah. just that position is incredibly important. The demands are and this the CV requirements for for modern day fullbacks it's uh it, it's get, getting pretty full on uh let's go through and identify uh you know a few other trends that we've um obviously spotted over the years cause the the little man uh in that fullback position it has seen some special talent come through you know you talk about Benny Barber you talk about Matty Bowen who we spoke about the other day 
you know, it is one of the positions where, you know, if you've got the right player, you know, they can be a little bit undersized, bring a little bit of agility to the role. So, again, that's a little bit unique as the as the game sort of, you know, speeds up and, you know, we, we, we were afraid of losing our smaller players. Fullback is still a role where we see some smaller players coming through and succeed. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it's one of the positions now, even in the modern game, where everyone's sort of fit and more athletic, more athletes, less footballer. Um, but if someone says they're a fullback, you can't tell. Like you say, yes, if you're small, that makes sense. And if you're a more sort of muscular, powerful player, that also makes sense because, it, like you mentioned before, it depends on how the coach wants the team to play. And that position can pivot to, to be any any sort of player. So, you know, we've, you've got the powerful, strong, um, like Tedesco type currently, and there's um, Jaden Campbell who is like a, a, a wispy, elusive type player. And they both make sense in that position as long as that they fit in with what the coach wants and how the team wants to play. Um, yeah, I, I, I do like that that they see they could that any type of player can be that position, um, they, but just have to have all of the skills, yeah. <laughs> all of the skills of all of the positions, pretty much wrapped into one. Yeah, I, I think you know some of the smaller players are so effective in and around the ruck, and that's something that some of the best footballers, uh, some of the best fullbacks, you know, they're they're, they're you know, that's what kind of separates them. You look at a guy like Pappenhausen where he's a constant uh, threat in and around the ruck. So the second there's, you know, lazy markers or, you know, he's able to identify a little bit of a deficiency within the defense, he's constantly roaming. And I, I think for me, you know, some of his his ability to kind of, um, you know, just continue to, to fight on every single tackle and he may not get the ball, he may not get an opportunity, but he works so hard and, you know, you, you see the flash at the end of the day, but there's been a big, big build-up to that. He's, he's con- constantly uh, hunting in and around the ruck. D, the other big, uh, I, I guess, thing, uh, area of the game in which we've seen the fullbacks, um, I, I, I guess, you know, it's been a big part of the modern-day game, is bigger bodies being able to get your football team out of trouble. So, you know, one of the things we quickly realise in the game of rugby league is if you put in, if you've got a really good kicker, you put in a massive kick, and you turn those big boys away, it is very, very difficult for those big boys to get back on side. It's very difficult for them to get yard and to get out of trouble. You know, th- this modern-day approach of the wingers and the fullbacks being able to sort of have those bigger carries, Tom Trevojevic, Greg Inglis, it really has added a different element to the game. Oh, look, I had, obviously, my mates for the show, and first up on top, I had size and speed. Um, but then you compare... Like we talked about before, the evolution of the fullback, you don't have to be your turbo or English. You can be a Matty Bowen. You can be a compact Reese Wesser and still get it done. You just need to be, you know, a thinker at the end of the day. But size definitely makes a massive difference. I mean, if you have to compare it. Teddy versus turbo. And you it's, look at the two, it's like David and Goliath. <laughs> it, it, and because and it, it doesn't make sense uh, athletically when you when you think about it, because you see these incredible athletes, you know, the the, the size of them in, in you know some of our, our, our you know the fullbacks that we've seen succeed recently. Because the level of athleticism and fitness that you need to be able to play the fullback position. <laughs> this isn't a spot where you can be a cheeky little halfback and just sort of slide out to the side and take a little bit of a a little bit of a breather. You know the amount of kilometres that fullbacks are getting through. It's pretty remarkable that these bigger athletes are able to have that level of baseline fitness where you know they can run kilometres upon kilometres and and you know repeat those um, 
you know, just those repeat efforts, I think, is what's what's most impressive from the game's elite, such as Tedesco. Yeah, and to cover the amount of ground that they do and also, like we said, to communicate to the rest of the team because I know on the field when you're stuffed, the last thing you want to do is be yelling instructions. So the fact that they are doing that as well, it's like, yep, they're pretty fit. So well done to the, well done to the fullbacks out there. Yeah, that's right. They must be on that elliptical uh, a fair bit. D, the other thing that we quickly realised too with these fullbacks, and, you know, it, this isn't a modern thing. This is something the game has been building uh, towards for, for many, many, many years. There, there's, you know, quite a few older sort of fullbacks who started to do this. But, D, we quickly realised that, hey, if you've got a fullback in your football team that's got a handy pass, that brings a dangerous element to you in uh, in good ball. Talk to us a little bit about that because, you know, obviously we've already touched on Billy Slater a fair bit so far in this episode, but you can't deny he was a halfback in a fullback's body. And, you know, as soon as there was sort of any sort of advantage out, on, out wide, um, you know, Slater was able to execute it. And, you know, there's been quite a number of other fullbacks. Talk to us a little bit about a fullback that's got the ability to pass. And, you know, there are still a few in today's game who sort of, you know, not necessarily lack that ability, but that's certainly not one of their strong suits. Look, I this is going to be a surprise because as much as I love Turbo, I do love Teddy. I love your usual New South Welshman, obviously. But AJ Brimson was a really good surprise to me, I feel like. He's, he's incredible. He's wonderful. But like you said, the, the passing game and the evolution of the fullback as a position, as an athlete, like the evolution of man, monkey to man, has just in the last, I want to say decade, it's completely changed. Um, a lot more is expected of them. There's, I feel like there's a lot more than the running game was the norm 10, 15 years ago. That was the majority of your game. Now, like we said, you command and you're, you're screaming down at those boys in front of you and telling them where to go and what to do. You're having to make sure that your kicking game is okay. You're not doing too shabby there. You need to make sure you need to throw a torpedo pass and the timing of your passes is so crucial. It's, uh, again, as I mentioned, you know, to, to apply to be a fullback in the NRL, I mean, there is just, you've just got to be able to do everything. You know, there there isn't uh, one side, um, you know, of the game that you can sort of uh, struggle in. All right, team, just to uh, round off this one, good chat in and around the fullback position, you know, one of the most important uh, positions in the game. And that's why you see clubs, you know, who are comfortably out there spending a million dollars on fullbacks. You know, previously we'd see that sort of money only spent, you know, on halfbacks, maybe hookers. But, you know, a, a club going out and spending a million dollars on a top quality fullback, that's just um, smart business and uh, definitely makes sense given how much contribution they have uh, to the football team. But thinking about the modern day fullbacks, you've got to pick one favourite. And I know that's a little bit challenging. Um, D, thinking about your favourite fullbacks in the game, some of your loyalties as well. Who's your favourite fullback in the game right now? Oh, well, he's injured, so I can't pick him. <laughs> uh, so Ruben Ru- Garrick, say... is that what we're... <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're full of jokes today. Uh, look, I like I like Teddy, but AJ Brimson is a really nice surprise for me. I feel like he's evolving really, really well. Um, he's definitely showing his maturity and he's definitely showing all the skills that he's picking up. He's learning from his mistakes every week. Yeah. And he's under pressure there with Jaden Campbell, but yeah, you're right. That is his preferred position. And uh, yeah, he's um, yeah. Very, very special. Um, look for me, I, you know, I've got to feel safe walking the streets of Newcastle and the Hunter Valley. So <laughs> I've got to give uh, love to Kalen Ponga and look in a bad 
football team <laughs> underline bad, even though we've had a you know a little bit of success recently. Um, Caelan Pong has been great. I think he's a really special player. You know what 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 makes him special is. His agility is next level, and he's got that Tedesco lean where he is very, very awkward to tackle. He'll always beat that first defender, and he's certainly not doing it through Gregging-less physicality. You know, he's not the biggest, he's not the strongest, but he's uh, incredibly athletic, and you know, he's you know slowly building himself quite a quite a game there. So yes, definitely a biased pick, but um, yeah, Queensland fullback. There we go. Never thought I'd never thought I'd see the day in terms of praising that. But yeah, Queensland fullback for me. Um, Cos thoughts on this one? There's plenty of great fullbacks in the game. You know, it, it, it's ultimately a position that brings a lot of fans to the game. Those long-range tries, the Pappenhausens. Um, but, yeah, if you had to pick one, where are you going? Well, I miss RTS because I he had a, another different style as well. Like, he had a good – he had a step. And I miss watching Roger play rugby league. So he was one of my favourites. But I think um, currently in the in the game right now, I, I do like how um, AJ is playing. I agree. Like, I think because he, he – can play half, so that sort of makes sense that he's got that ball playing ability as well. Um, but yeah, I, I do like the flashy, the flashy, exciting um, fullbacks because you know it's what they do. So um, yeah, and, and perhaps too again, he's a he's a New South Wales player. So this is this is a weird like yeah, twilight got- zone for all of us. But I I just like the way like he is a, the undersized player, but he absolutely goes hard in. He's always there. You won't miss an opportunity to pick up the ball and run and score a try. And who doesn't love a fast fullback running in under yeah. the post? No, Pappy is an incredible player. Terrible haircut. I love it. But, uh, yeah, well, there we go, team. There's the fullback position. Uh, really looking forward to the you know future playbook sessions, diving into different parts of rugby league. But uh, let's jump into our next segment for tonight, the match. The most anticipated match in history, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. All right, a pretty special match tonight as we see two Dragons legends go toe to toe. The great uh, Jamie, uh, the great Jamie Soward, friend of the show, coming up against uh, Benny Hornby. Um, Cos, I'm going to throw it over to you. Surprise, surprise, because um, you know you've got a lot of love for your football team here, the Red V. Um, yeah, this is you know as, as much as this is your football team, it's going to be a difficult one for you. So, talk us through these two players, my friend. I know, I love them both. They won us the premiership, so it's all good. But I think. They were just such a different style because I was thinking, how do we, how do you describe it? Like Hornby is just a classic player, and Jamie is a pest, but he was our pest, and I, I love, I love that he was just in there. And um, I don't, I think, but together that just sort of meshed well together. It, it, the styles worked, so I don't, it's really hard to try and put them against each other. How are you supposed to pick your favourites? <laughs> It's uh, you know, we can hear the pain in your voice. We'll come back to you. You're gonna have to ponder. A, you're gonna have to ponder a pick here. No sitting on the fence when it comes to the match. Uh, yeah, look, breaking them down. Uh, Benny Hornby. Um, you know, 273 games for the Dragons. Um, obviously represented. Uh, he stayed a few times as well, and he had that one cap for Australia. You know, Benny Hornby. Um, you know, again, you talk about the evolution of players and his versatility and his utility, and he just came through an era where. You know, there was so much value placed in that, you know, the ability to play different positions. You know, he very much reminded me of, 
you know, Kurt Gidley and a few others that were getting around who, you know, were just so, you know, were just great players. And it was just a matter of, you know, figuring out, you know, where is, um, you know, his best position. And I think what was really interesting to watch with Ben was he sort of evolved, you know, slowly into the halves, you know, probably lost a little bit of speed as he got a little bit older into, into his career, but he fell into that position um, and, you know, it, it suited him down to the ground. Um, again, you know, I always talk about intangibles. I always talk about leadership. Um, so his ability to play in the halves, he played that at a very high level. And, yeah, the the Dragons fans out there, they've got some pretty uh, fond memories memories of, uh, of Benny Hornby because um, he brought a lot of success to the club. Uh, D, uh, I've, got a, I've got a fair bit of love for my mate Sowie, who I'll talk about in a little bit. But, um, yeah, what's your thoughts on this one before me and Cos dive into our selections? Um, yeah, Sowie or Hornby? Sowie for me. Totally Sowie for me. I, to be completely honest, that Jamie Sowie is that name that rings in your head when you think of... Yep, he was flashy in his own way, um, but he was part of that first real batch of his Indigenous players coming through um, for the NRL All-Stars, and that's one of the things that really stands out for me. Um, I found that he was an incredible leader, and he commanded the screen. When you're watching him, he commanded the field. For such a little man, compared to the followers that he had in front of him every single week, um, he had a really, for me, yeah, sorry for me. Yeah, I That's love that. It. Obviously, for me, um, you know, a little bit of a biased pick, but I, I've got to go with Sowie as well. Okay, I'm trying not to be biased here, so I'll, I'll try and analyse his game and break it down. Um, yeah, look, Sowie had an edge to him. You know, he was very, very competitive, and I think it's an underrated talent in the game. You know, there are players in the game that don't play because they love it. They don't play, you know, it, it's not the be-all and end-all, and, and that that's... That's the thing with rugby league and Jamie Soward is is it just meant everything to him, um, and you could see that in his performances. <laughs> Obviously, you know he had a little bit of carry on in his game, which we all love. But yeah, just that just that passion and that edge, I thought you know brought, um, he was able to bring that out um, across a few different clubs that he played at as well. Um, you know, and then you think about him at the peak of his powers. Obviously, um, you know, two hundred and thirty two games um, again was able to um, you know represent his state and. Um, at the peak of his powers, you know, it was one of the game's absolute best, you know, when you when you think about that premiership that he was able to help bring um, to the Dragons there. Some standouts in terms of his play, I thought his passing was elite, um, and then obviously his kicking. You know, I, I don't think we've seen too many kickers like Jamie Soward, um, and I know that, you know, he's sort of, you know, carrying that through into his coaching now, but yeah, I, I, I just... I pity the fullbacks and the wingers that used to have to sit back and catch uh, catch those kicks from Sowie because he'd absolutely bloody torture them. Um, and he was clutch. You know, you think about some of the plays that he made in the biggest games in grand finals. Um, a lot to love about his game. But again, a bit of a biased pick there, but I'm going to go with Sowie as well. Cause we've given you some time to think. We yeah. know this is difficult. Uh, <laughs> we know uh, you love both players, but uh, where are you going in this one? I think they're quite different and, Sally, I just I love he was just all heart, heart on his sleeve, and um, yeah, not the biggest player, but he played like he was, so he didn't mind getting fended off. He'd still go for the big tackles, but I'll go Ben because you sort of mentioned leadership, and he yeah, he was, he was a fabulous captain as well for the club. So I'll give Hornby a vote, so we'll even up the slate a little bit, yeah. but a tough one. Yeah. A tough one, but yeah, we'll, we'll balance it out, and uh, you know, Dragons fans, they sit back and. 
you know, it's a bit of a difficult one when you reflect on these legends because now, obviously, the club's in a little bit of a rebuild. But, you know, got some good young juniors there and uh, and little Benny Hunt there. He's playing some really good football as well. So, yeah, good times are ahead for the Dragons. All right, team, let's jump into our final segment for tonight, uh, Rapid Fire. And hey, we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is singing closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. All right, guys, let's jump into a new little mini-series in Rapid Fire, and that's the repair shop. Let's get in and fix some of these football teams. Let's offer some of our advice. Now, um, I have to admit, my mechanical knowledge, my mechanical expertise is not where it should be. Uh, let's just say that. But uh, know a little bit about football, so let's let's jump in. Now, this week, we are featuring the Canterbury Bulldogs, a pretty obvious team to start off with. Um D, really interested to hear your thoughts, my friend, a club that's very close to your heart. How do we fix this club? Because that's the million-dollar question at the moment. There's a lot of very, very smart people in rugby league that are trying. Um, yeah, what's your thoughts on the dogs? How do we how do we move this team forward? I think we've spoken about this before, both Cos and I having worked in or currently working in, in club land and in rugby league. Premiership success starts off in the boardroom. And you first of all, let's look at the board. Okay, the board of directors at the Canterbury Bulldogs, I don't think I've seen a woman on that board for God knows how long. Um, that's a huge issue. That just trails down into the administration office, which then trails down onto the pitch, into the gym, into the training sheds. What you're seeing right now is I feel dog is in crisis. This is, you know, a similar look way back when, when Desi was there and, you know, there were issues coming through. And sometimes it could just be around the wrong people in charge. Sometimes it could be the right people in charge, but that are being restricted from being able to do what they want to do or they need to do to step forward. But at the end of the day, it all starts in the office. If the back of house is clean, organised and know what they're doing or they have the right people in place who that share the vision of the club, then you'll see that on the field. But it's really disappointing to see a dog's a very proud club. I mean, they're in, they're back in Belmore this, this weekend, I believe. And it's just tickets are sold out. I think I saw. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely difficult times, uh, you know, for fans. And uh, I love your passionate plea. We can see how much the club means to you. Look for me. How do I fix this club? It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be a quick fix. So anyone out there thinking that, you know, we just sprinkle a little bit of special dust on this team and they're going to turn things around, that's that's definitely not going to happen. Um, for me, it's the juniors. Um, I'm really, and I think I spoke about it a little bit last episode, really wanting to see the next generation of stars come through. Um, I feel like their juniors have been a little bit patchy. So whether those juniors are going to other clubs, whether they don't exist, which I don't believe, really trying to get to the roots of, you know, where are the four, five, six, six juniors every you know usually every two to three years you can you can sort of say you're going to have at least you know four five six at the best clubs that are are developing your Penrith Panthers and things like that but you know the Canterbury Bulldogs were always known for refreshing their squad four five six juniors every two to three years and that always put them in a really good position for me their best players in their squad at the moment are bought in uh, you know, and a lot of people are looking to go out and sign externally. So for me, yeah, I, I'd be looking at those pathways. And look, to have Gus Gould 
in that position at the moment, I think is fantastic. I think that's something that he is very, very good at. He's demonstrated that at Penrith. He was starting to get those systems in place at the Warriors. So yeah, look, I know it's not a no, it's not a quick fix, but if they can really look to look at the juniors and bring through some five star players, um, you know, you could see you know some more longer term success here at Canterbury, which I think we all want to see. Cause, um, but everyone, you know, everyone's eyes roll over when I talk about a five year, a ten year plan. Let's try and fix things a little bit quicker. What, what, what's your thoughts? Because <laughs> there's some incredibly talented players at the football club, that's for sure. Yeah, I was going to say um, on the field, they have they have recently signed a lot of good players, but they just need time to play together, I think. So just to gel and um, yeah, it, while they brought in all this talent, they're not playing like a team yet. But in saying that, they have signed some good players for next year as well. So it might take... It, it all takes time. It's all in time. But to have um, Reed Marnie joining the club there, that's a huge so signing. Good. And huge. he's such a talent. So that's 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 someone that you can um, really structure you know, a good gameplay around. Um, what are they missing? Maybe a couple players in other positions. It would ideally be, you know, juniors coming through and forcing their way into the to the A grade team and be, and staying there for years. And again, I. It, there's no short-term fix. It's a long-term thing, but the talent that they have been able to attract is really promising. They just need to play together and just have the support of the juniors around them to be a really strong team for many, many years. Because I think as much people like like the Bulldogs either like to hate them or love them. So they are a team that inspires passion either way. So you want them to be performing well. Yeah, or the competition right. to be going well. Yeah, you're only as strong as your weakest link, and I think with you know it's time the Bulldogs really sort of stepped up. You know, the other thing that I thought about too, they need a seven, right? Uh, I thought you know the Mitchell Pearce situation. You heard some murmurs that you know maybe the Newcastle divorce was going to happen. I mean, if I was Canterbury, you know, they're the type of players that you really need to kind of patch things for a little bit, an experienced player. So, look, I, I've, I've seen Pearcey on social media. I know he's having a hell of a time over there in France, feet up, wine in hand. But, yeah, if there's any veteran sevens out there, I think Canterbury, they'll be on the lookout to partner Matt Burton and take a little bit of pressure off. There we go. We've just fixed the Canterbury Bulldogs. So next year, uh, they'll be, yeah, running around competing for a premiership. Might not be that quick, but uh, we will see. All right, team, that's all the time we have tonight. just want to thank my amazing panel, always bringing the heat as we talk all things rugby league. And to our listeners, we really do appreciate your support. Continue to download the podcast, share with family and friends, and until next time, we'll catch you then. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.